Hello, and welcome to Order in the Bedroom with me, Stephen Bailey. And me, Richard Taylor. So, we're back again talking everything law, because I'm L Woods of comedy, and Rich here actually has a law degree. I do. Uh, I am a uh, practising lawyer, but to be clear, and as we are clear in all of these... Uh, chats that we have uh, not actually giving you legal advice you should always take your own legal advice as to your own cases just to be very clear on that basically we're just re-debating old trials because we're obsessed with true crime like everyone else during the pandemic all we've had to do is get down and deep into the the archives of netflix so i just feel like i'm i feel like i'd be a really good juror because, but I'd be one of those where you couldn't, I'd been there for a long time. It wouldn't be an in and out easy case. I'd be really looking at both sides and I'd really feel everything with every emotion. Are you supposed to do law with emotion? Um, I think, I think you'd be hard pressed not to have a bit of emotion in certain cases, but you should never be led by your emotions. You should never be advising client you could feel so in my particular case i'm an employment lawyer and some um cases that i do on a pro bono basis for free for friends and stuff um it's hard it's it's important not to get emotionally attached to that if they've been um if they've been unduly treated because ultimately um it's it doesn't serve you well if you go and advise or lead on tactics with a case if you are too emotionally attached to something and that can be quite hard when you know your friends have been maybe treated badly and you want to try and help them wow why is that wow wow? i don't understand why you like how you can't be emotionally led by things what if it was like someone ran over a puppy well, that would be horrific, obviously. Um, but can you sit still, please? There's oh, sorry. There's always a um, you know you can't you can't make legal tactics or legal determinations based solely on your emotions. Otherwise, you can land yourself in uh, real hot bother. I think. Why did you want to get into law? Why did I get into law? Um, I don't know, really. I wasn't. To, this is honestly true. I wasn't sure what to do at university, and I thought law might be a good one because it passed that mum's test. You know, if you're like your mum talking to her mates and said, "Oh, our Richard does law at university," and go, "Ooh, that's impressive." So yeah, I thought that law would pass the sort of mum's test. So you literally did it just to impress your mum's mates. i wasn't i wasn't i wanted to go to university i wasn't sure what um which one i which subject i wanted to do and i thought law might be a good one to do because it's a little bit of history it's a little bit of politics um, it's a little bit of um psychology bit of sociology it's all a bit of a mix of different sorts of things bit of history um and yeah it passes that sort of mum's test it's uh... yeah you said it passes the mum's test okay we get that it passes (laughs) the mum's test i just i wonder what like i wonder if anyone ever like gets into law just because they want to get they're interested in the law like i do actually think i know girls 
who I went to school with that did law at uni. They do, they're not lawyers now, but they did do a law degree because of like Ali McBeal or Elwoods. Oh, there was definitely girls in um, and boys actually in my year at university who um, were there because they said that they wanted to be the next Elwoods. It is interesting, but they must be leaning into law from a passion point of view because that's what Elwoods. Yeah, I'd hope so. And, um, you know, the I think there's a whole mix of people, certainly within my year, that um, that came to do it. Some were just sort of like me, didn't know really what they wanted to do and thought that would be a good one to do. But, yeah, certainly some of my friends in my year were um, wanted to work for, like, um, Amnesty International or something like that, felt that by doing, um, by doing law that would be a path to sort of help other people some people were doing law because they thought oh it's good to do that and then they can move into like politics um and yeah i think you have a whole mix of different people doing very different things at what point during a degree do you decide which kind of law do you want to do like whether you decide you want to do like criminal law and murder cases or like employment law like you yon like when do you decide um, so you try and do as much, they encourage you to do as much work experience as possible um, because that's the kind of way that you find out. No one knows what it's like to be a um, a particular type of lawyer um, until you've had that experience. So if you, they always suggested that you try and like shadow um, barristers or if you could get work experience in different types of law firms so like different law firms will do different things so like a high street law firm where you've recently had your experience of dealing with a conveyancer that's a very different setup to someone a lawyer that goes down the police station and represents someone at three o'clock in the morning when they're they've been arrested versus someone who works in a big commercial law firm um, doing employment or a big banking transactions there's a whole it's all about trying to get the experience now where it's tricky and where it's unfair it can be is that obviously if you don't have those connections um to those types of um places of work to get the experience um you can be put at a disadvantage oh cry me a river i'm in show business it's exactly the same sweetheart yeah, it's um, it's certainly, and that's why there are um, organisations that do help people from um, underrepresented backgrounds or people that um, don't have the opportunity to get into um, the profession to give it give gives them a help helping hand in in that respect. I wish we did that in showbiz because that would be way more advantageous for me. Also, do you know what I always think about something like law? If you're going to become a lawyer or like a counsellor. you know that kind of thing where it's like you need a degree to do that job that makes sense having a degree but sometimes like I have a degree in French and Spanish and sometimes I think you've just got yourself into a load of debt that you're still paying off and you've never used it again I would be better to have just gone to live in France for a year Spain for a year I would have then saved two years a lot of money learnt the language probably even better by being around it. And then if I wanted to be a teacher, I could have done a teacher training course afterwards, you know. But do you not think that there are other benefits of going to university? It's not just about um, what, you know, coming out with. It's all about, it teaches you to be um, to time and to how uh, to, to stick to timelines and to plan ahead and to... 
research skills when you write in your essays and but if you're not a bell end like you know a part-time job could teach you how to have skills like that i suppose that's true but also i suppose it's the experience that you have as well as being there isn't it it's like the friends that you've met and you some of your really good friends are from your course at uni yeah that's true but i don't know if tease and sam are worth like what 15 grand's worth of debt i just don't know I suppose that's a question for them, for you to ask with them. <laughs> Me to ask myself. So here we are. We've got a, a new week, a new episode, and a new case. What are we looking at well, this week? You know, um, you talk about emotions um, in the law, and this is a really, um, this is a really interesting case for how maybe um, someone's pig-headedness has got them into a whole heap of trouble. I don't feel like you're being balanced. Uh, no, I, I actually quite like the the result that happened with this case. I think I, this this person is a very controversial um, individual and um, is uh, a, a built her career out of trying to be provocative and has actually had her comeuppance um, via this case. So let's speak about that actually before we delve into the case. Well, actually, tell them what the case is, then let's just top line and then let's get into that. So the top line of this case is, does the law of defamation, so um, defaming someone and making them look bad in the eyes of other people. You're doing that thing again where you go, does the case of defamation, which is where you defame someone, what the fuck is defame? Well, that's what I'm trying to tell you, is um, is where you say something or write something um, that about someone else um, that isn't true, that makes them look bad um, in the eyes of other people, is essentially the case. And that's, is it libelism? Uh, that is that is libelism, yeah, yeah. And what's libelism by definition without using libel within your definition? Well, it's essentially that it's it's making someone look bad. So it's a statement that isn't true about someone that makes them um, look bad in the eyes of others. Got you. So it can damage their life essentially. Yeah, essentially, is is damaging their their reputation or their own brand or their standing um, in in for in, in for other people. I like you were saying, some some people make a career out of being controversial and what else do you say? Uh, yeah, being controversial and a bit of a sort of like, you know, shock jock type um, type people. And the person that we're talking about in this particular case is um, former contestant on The Apprentice and former um, Daily Mail columnist uh, Katie Hopkins. So this is my question, right? Well, not really a question, but discussion. Why on earth would you i wouldn't want to make a career out of shock value do you know just i wouldn't want to make a career about saying something that i don't necessarily believe is true like i always feel like with katie hopkins she's made a career of playing the other side of the debate so it's like if you were say something like this morning or good morning britain for example and you're doing a debate you know you need. I'm. I'm sure it's really hard if you're a producer to find someone to argue the other side. Like yeah. I've done them before, but I always do like the the non. I mean, I always do the joke ones. Really, like are socks a good Christmas present? And I said no, but only, that's only because I'm bored of getting socks and I get them every year. But I wouldn't ever say. I don't know. Do you, in your opinion? 
believe she believes everything she's saying or do you believe she's doing it as a career just to have a career in it and obviously if if it's really she has those opinions that's really bad but if she's doing it just for a career I think that's really sad um I don't I think she doesn't believe the things that she says and I think that she um did it in order to try and be uh, controversial and have a career out of it and I'll give you the example this is an actual real example so she was on this morning you remember this particular time and she was talking about babies names I love this because it even made Holly Willoughby mad and Holly Willoughby never gets mad because she's a perfect angel sent from heaven <laughs> Your obsession with Holly Willoughby I'm, I'm waiting for when I am replaced by her that would be I can't wait. <laughs> so she's on this morning and she's talking about baby names. And um, she takes the position that, oh, I wouldn't let my child play with certain na- children that have certain names, and the comp- which is a ridiculous thing to come out with in of itself. But she went on to say that the types of children, um, names that she didn't like, were ones that were of locations or settings so like brooklyn beckham um that's an example of a really bad name and wouldn't let her child play with um someone who had a place name as their um as their name conveniently forgetting that one of her own children is called india philip schofield had such a day with that i remember him just i could see he had like like the cheshire cat grin and because um, she also, didn't she say something along the lines of going, you know, she doesn't believe you should call your children's like Belle or Bo, because then you might have this really ugly child called Belle. And then Holly was going, but isn't that in the eye of the beholder who's ugly? And then Holly was like, my daughter's called Belle. And Katie went, well, no daughter of yours is going to be ugly, is it? Well, and this that's where it comes down to, where it's like, you can't possibly think that that you know you can't possibly think that's a position to hold and you can't believe that to be true because you've just undermined your whole argument by your child being called India it's like doesn't make any sense I have a question so do you know like we're talking about defamation we're going to get into an actual example with Jack Munro versus Kate Hopkins in a moment but what is the difference between what Katie's writing on Twitter and like we're discussing Katie Hopkins now and we're paraphrasing. So could Katie Hopkins not sue us? What would she sue us for? What would, why would she be suing? Well, she it? might say, I didn't say about Bell and Bo actually. I just said about Bell or I didn't word it that way exactly. Well, I think th- the point for being is that um, a statement isn't defamatory if it's true. So as she's... Even though we're paraphrasing. Even if we're paraphr- if we are paraphrasing it, it's um, it's essentially the gist of it is what we're saying is that's what she said, and that is correct because we obviously know we wouldn't be talking about these things if we, you know, didn't understand it to be that that way. We wouldn't be just making it up. No, no, I understand that, but I just I didn't understand how, you know, when we're giving an opinion or giving a example that's paraphrased you know i've not we've, neither of us are sat here with a script word for word what she said to philip and holly so how do 
you know, how's that not in the same context? Just because actually, if we're talking about it, it's an important question. Yeah, it's um, so you know, it is the it's words to the effect of, isn't it, that she said she said that, and that is what she said. We're not saying anything that isn't um, isn't untrue in 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 what we're saying. Like she basically said what we said. Yeah, she said essentially, and you know that that's exactly it. Is that we. She basically did say those things, and that that thereby uh, it isn't isn't defamatory. And also, we've got no money, so don't come for us, bitch. <laughs> also, as well as the fact that we're discussing it, um, what negative impact is that likely to have on her with our um, current listenership, which is at the minute just me and you? <laughs> I've not put it out yet. For God's sake, <laughs> give us a chance. So. Today we're looking at Jack Munro versus Katie Hopkins. So what happened there, Rich? So you cast your mind back um, a few years to the summer of 2015. Uh, I thought it was the summer of 69. Well, that's a song. But in this particular case, that's when the case occurred was the summer of um, 2015. And um, you might remember that there were um, marches going on about anti-austerity. The government... um, not funding um, schools and libraries and all, all sorts of things that they've not been able to do. Um, what is austerity? Is it like me, poor people? Well, it's it's by its austere times is, is where you don't fund things because you say that you don't have enough money to do so. So that's why they were closing like swimming pools and public libraries and they weren't giving... Um, wage rises to those who work in frontline services or stuff like that are we in austerity now uh yeah well probably heading back into it well it's not been very it's not austerity when they've been spending money on rightly supporting people with furlough in in that regard so no but i think it's quite likely that we will be in in the next year few years certainly what a positive lift me up anyway get back to the back to the story so um on as a result of those marches, there was some um, graffiti that was um, sprayed on a war memorial that essentially said "Tory scum, Tories you scum because you are enacting these austerity measures." That was picked up by uh, a column for the New Statesman, a columnist called Laurie Penny, who tweeted. I don't have a problem with this, the graffiti. Um, the br- the bravery of the past generations doesn't oblige us to be cowed today. And Katie Hopkins um, jumped on that in on Twitter. But unfortunately for Katie Hopkins, she mistook um, Laurie Penny for Jack Monroe. So, How? Well, she just puts the wrong Twitter handle in. Uh-huh. So she, she puts that at the start of a tweet and she tweets... At Jack Monroe, scrawled on any uh, memorials recently, question mark, vandalised the memory of those who fought for your freedom. Um, so that tweet goes out. And obviously Jack Monroe is, you, when on Twitter you're then, I don't have Twitter, but you tell me, when, when you're sort of directly at Jack Monroe, so yeah. like, you're notified about it, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, it comes up. So, I mean, if you have time to look, you'll definitely see it. And can other people see that you've been copied into that as well? Yeah, people can see everything. So essentially, all Katie Hopkins fans would see it, all Katie Hopkins followers, because it's one of her yep. tweets. And 
I think, don't quote me on this, but say you're a fan of Jack Monroe, so you're just searching Jack Monroe because it's like, I'm a fan, I want to see what Jack's been up to, da, 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 da. that will come up because they're tagged in it. And then, um, so then Jack Monroe fans will see it as well. Yeah, I think that must be the case because um, they talk about this later in the judgment about the effect of the tweet on it. So I think that is, so it's her fans and Jack Monroe's fans see it. So then Jack Monroe is like, that's not me. And then tweets, I have never scrawled on a memorial. My brother's in the RAF. My dad was a power in the Falklands. You're a piece of shit. <laughs> in response to Katie Hopkins. Um, nothing happens. Katie Hopkins doesn't say, oh, gosh, sorry, I got that wrong. Um, or take down the tweet. Nothing happens. So then Jack Monroe says... Um, I want to pub tweets again. I want a public apology from you, Katie Hopkins, and a five thousand pound charitable na- donation to help a migrant charity. If someone asked me to make a five grand donation, I would shit myself because I don't have five grand. Well, um, I think Katie Hopkins, being a Daily Mail columnist and Sun columnist at the time, I think that's probably small fry for her um, to have settled this one and made it go away. Um, but she doesn't. She um... And that would fairly be an easy thing to do, wouldn't it? I mean, we say this all the time. When someone says sorry, you have nowhere to go. Oh, absolutely. It's so disarming, isn't it? Because um, you just don't expect it. You don't expect it in this day and age. It's very rare for people to apologise. So when someone does, that's really disarming, isn't it? And I feel like if Katie Hopkins might have said, I'm really sorry, public apologised, you know, yeah. and then maybe dm jack monroe and just said um I've, I've done an apology i'm really sorry sincerely i don't actually have a spare five grand to donate like would you mind if i donated a thousand pound i bet that could have all been dealt with like that i'm clicking my fingers i'm sure it could i'm sure it could because um i think all that yes she wanted the uh, jack monroe certainly wanted the apology because that's quite a serious thing to say, isn't it? Like you're you're approving um, defacing war memorials, particularly for someone whose family is in the armed forces. That's really damaging to her. So a, a public retraction and an apology um, that could have been a quite an easy win, um, but that didn't happen. And actually. Katie Hopkins doubled down on it because later on the same day, she tweets again to say, can someone explain to me in 10 words or less the difference between irritant, um, Laurie Penny, and social anthrax, Jack Monroe? So she's really sort of um, doubling down um, on on this. So the first tweet sort of suggesting that she's um, van- either vandalised a war memorial, which is a, obviously a criminal act, or condoned or approved it. And the second one um, is sort of defamatory in- innuendo, um, thinking that she condoned that va- that um, that vandalism. And you know what? She didn't apologise at all. So Jack Monroe um, took her to court to say those tweets um, had caused her serious harm in terms of defamation. Took her to court for it. Um, so the determination. This is really, it was really interesting case. It's the, it's one of the first times really that um, what we say and do on Twitter um, can that be defamatory? One of the first times for that. 
Um, and um, they had to decide, well, what were the meaning of the tweets? Were those tweets defamatory? And did it have serious harm um, towards Jack Munro? And I think it's the first time that sort of serious harm question was um, looked into in the law. And do you know what? Even if you didn't believe in it going, Jack Munro is clearly not this person that agrees with vandalising war memorials, right? Even if, you know, just as the general public, we all go... We're not that daft. That's not something Jack believes in, right? Mm -hmm. But I think there is a level of going, holding people accountable for what they're putting on social media. Yeah. Because people put up so much shit and nonsense and it's because they're hiding behind a keyboard. And I do think it's got to a point where it's like, you should be held accountable for what you're putting on there because it really is. Like social media... It's got so many positives where it can be so, it could be used for so much good, and yet people use it. I mean, people use it. I've had it before where people use it just to tell me I'm gay, as if I've not figured it out. I mean, normally when they're tweeting me to I'm gay, I've got a dick in my ass. Of course I know. <laughs> um, well, I think you're absolutely right, is that... Thank you. It's 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 a... It's, it's particularly since the rise of, and Donald Trump's use of Twitter as well, is um, it's gone from, you know, people's opinion of things and then re- reporting sort of newsworthy things. It's become more of a... Um, it's gained in its stature, hasn't it? So with, with, with that sort of thing and the number of people that you can reach, it's really important that people aren't just saying anything that they like um, because that can have a massive effect on... Because lots of people can read about it. And you were talking there about, oh, people might not believe... People might be thinking, oh, Jack Monroe would never would never do that. Like Katie Hopkins is just off on one again. Yeah. Shut up, Katie Hopkins. Yeah, exactly that. But, you know, the test really for it is whether it would have a substantially adverse effect on the way right-thinking members of society would sort of view Jack Monroe. Because, you know, there'll be some people um, who are her fans and her followers who would think, oh, gosh, she'd never do that. But then, you know, there are other people that might not even know Jack Monroe and think, oh, gosh, is that something that she actually approves of? That's really bad. Um, so it can have a really negative, um, really negative um, effect in that respect. So ultimately, it came down to um, the decision of the the judge um, who looked at it. And um, he was of the view that, yes, it did cause... Um, serious harm she'd received um a certain amount of abuse from other twitter users as a result of it and um her reputation um uh was damaged um was likely to be damaged by sort of right thinking people who would think less of her um with regards to that there wasn't a um an apology there wasn't a um, retraction um, as far as other people were concerned, this could be something that she did. That's what the judge is saying. His daughter's called Tora Malina, so he don't like what she said. <laughs> yes, it's probably got it. She's, yeah, she's, she's one of those controversial figures in, in that regard, uh, certainly. And uh, yeah, he probably has got, yeah, uh, a, t- a daughter called Tora Malina. You Imagine you're like in a position where it's like you need, you know, you are in a position where you go to court, which, you know, a judge is supposed to be a balanced member of society, and you're just so like what's the word like 
almost what's it like where they jab you and like like Katie Hopkins seems to say things for a rise. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like you've just watched her on The Apprentice, you've watched her upset my Holly Willoughby, and you've gone and you've got a daughter called Costa del Sol. And then you've sat there going, I don't even need to hear the case. Guess what? That, well, I think that that wouldn't happen in that respect. There will be judges that you sort of, in your mind, you you take a, it's your duty to put that out of your mind and just try the case based on the evidence. I don't think anyone could honestly 100% do that. I think it's, um, well, that's what you've got to try and do. You've got to try and do that, and you 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 affirm that you will. If you were a judge, and the kid that bullied you came in, maybe you know in a divorce battle, you know trying to get the rightful things, and that kid bullied you, you'd give everything to the other half. I think in that situation, you'd be you'd be holding up your hand beforehand to say, "Oh, actually, I know this person. There's a conflict of interest. I can't try this case." Is what. Uh, well, I wouldn't say it. I'd go ahead and do it. I'm sure <laughs> that's, that's a good job. You're not the, the high court judge then in that in that situation. I'd be I'd be scared if we if we broke up and then I'd be in front of you for that. Blimey neck. <laughs> I think though, even if we broke up as we were, with you with the legal mind and me with the comedy hilarity, I still think I'd beat you in a court case. Well, that's let's hope that doesn't happen. And then we won't have to try that theory, then, will we? I hope it does. I think I'd win. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Anyway, back to the back to the case of Katie Hopkins. And you know, Katie Hopkins was saying in um in her defence, she was like, Oh well, Twitter, it's the Wild West. People like people say vulgar and crude things all the time. It's kind of par for the course. She's not wrong though. Like, people do do that, but the fact is they shouldn't do that, and we need to start making examples of people. Well, that's pretty much what the judge said. Wait, and I've not, I have not, can you just confirm this? I have not even read anything, and I'm thinking like a judge. No, you, that's exactly it. You are you are thinking like that, because um, uh, she was saying that, look, this Twitter forum it's less credible. It's not as serious as media publications, and that was roundly rejected by the... Um, by the court, given the fact, Katie Hopkins, you're a well-known figure, um, and you've got all these hundreds of thousands of followers. And I bet, I bet, um, yeah, exactly that. And I bet more people read Twitter than read like news publications. Yeah, particularly now with that Donald Trump point, I think a lot of people get their news um, from um, from Twitter um, and and various other media. Um, non-traditional media outlets certainly i think the way we digest the news and we um read read about stories even in 2015 um that tide was changing certainly because in a morning for example you read the guardian and i read twitter and we both have the same stories by the end of our reading yeah that's true that's true we just read it reading very different um very different um places but yeah we are getting the same information in just in different forms certainly certainly um and but essentially they said that look um banter or mere abuse um on twitter um just because it's on twitter shouldn't be taken any less seriously well they rejected that completely and that it can be um tweets can be held to the sort of same standard as a 
quote reputable or sort of serious publication um and it, they have found very easily found that there was um serious harm to um jack jack monroe and her reputation there it's very clear that um if you're saying that she could or imply that she condones vandalism on war memorials it's likely that right-minded people would think differently of her in light of that certainly Mm. And Jack just did what she said she was going to do, which is um, I will take you to court. Absolutely, and there's some really key points that are um, that come out of this um, uh, when assessing these kinds of cases in terms of defamation. Is is certainly that um, uh, even if a tweet was deleted, you can make an assessment of the damage that it's had through Twitter analytic, analy- anal- yeah. analytics sort of like the number of um, followers or the number of visitors to the individual's homepage. Um, that can all be sort of looked at. And um, it's certainly these types of cases where, um, you know, I think Katie Hopkins was saying, well, you're either a fan of me or a fan of Jack Monroe. Your view is not, your view is not going to be swayed by this tweet that I've sent out. Um, and the judge was like, "Well, no, that's not the case. You can still, um, you can still be a fa- uh, a follower of Jack Monroe, but have your view of her tainted by this um, by this point coming up." Um, and actually, the most Im- one of the most um, striking things is that um, even though Jack Monroe um, denied it that didn't really mitigate the damage it's not the same as a retraction or a, or an apology um that's that's the most important thing which essentially i think he's pointing to the fact that had you apologized katie hopkins um we wouldn't have been in this p- particular position and the end result being was that um katie hopkins was fined um made to pay 24000 pounds so a lot more than £5,000 for the charity in terms of damages. But on top of that, she had a £500,000 legal bill and had to sell a house as a result of it to fund a legal bill. So bad. It's why people should be so careful. But I am glad people are held accountable because it is dangerous on social media. And, you know... People go, well, don't look at social media then. That's not the point, is it? Don't write shite and awful things on social media. Make it a nice place that I can look at. It shouldn't be that I have to do it. Could I defame someone if they said, um, or should, could I sue someone if they said, Stephen, you're looking a bit fat after Christmas? Uh, no, because it's not defamatory if it's true. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. <laughs> Um. Uh, so no. Um. I don't. No, I don't think so. I don't think it in 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 that case. Um. It's. It depends who's. It depends who has said it. What's the followership of it is. Um. What the impact it has had. Um. All those sorts of things are. Um. Are put into the mix in terms of that. And each case is obviously very sort of fact specific. But what I think this case goes to show is that. Look, it is the point we've we've sort of teased out is that the shock jock commentators, um, columnists can't just say and do exactly what they want. There are consequences for it. And it's not the Wild West that sort of Katie Hopkins 
tried to paint in terms of anything goes um no if it has a real um serious harm to someone's reputation like implying that someone approves vandalizing war memorials then um that's that's they need to be mindful before they tweet so if someone said if someone tweeted me and said that i was really straight i could sue them uh well what because that's against my brand uh could be yeah if that's not could be if you have to look at the reputational impact that that tweet would have i'd lose my gaze could be could be something that you uh well firstly and foremost i think you'd ask them to apologize because what we've learned from this is that a swift apology and a retraction um can actually save a lot of people a lot of time and a lot of money and you won't have to they won't have to sort of um sell the house Mm. well we've learned a little something about defaming today thank you richard so as always if you've enjoyed order in the bedroom please rate subscribe tell your friends leave us a five-star review the usual then people can find us and until next time stay out of trouble with the law lots of love bye